Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast. It's episode 70. 70 already. Today I am joined by a big black and white cuddly uh, animal, um, aka Football Index Panda. How are you doing, mate? Very well, very well, and uh, fairly cuddly today. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining on such uh, short notice. And to be fair, I didn't think we'd get that many questions considering how short notice it was, but uh, I'm really underestimating the Football Index Twitter community at the moment. Well, yeah, yeah, and especially from my perspective as a relatively new user, I only really started tweeting sort of January time, Football Index sort of special tweets. So, um, yeah, very happy with the questions and uh, comments. Well, why don't we start there? When you joined, when you first started properly getting involved in the community, and just a bit more about your football index journey. Yeah, so I, I, um, I think it was Guardian uh, podcast, a football podcast. I think they had an advert for for football index, which was, I think I picked it up last March, so March two thousand eighteen. Um, and at that point, you know, I hadn't heard of it. So from April through to I would say well late August. I just watched the market. So I'd mm. log in, I'd look at prices. And, I, you know, like your guest last week, Sam, who actually that was a great podcast, so a lot of pressure to follow up with that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't understand why certain players were priced at uh, certain price points. So, you know, look, I'm someone that likes to try and understand things before I jump in headfirst, um, which probably links back to my, my sort of gambling background. But um, so I spent months just watching the market. Um, and just trying to work out, you know, what's going on here? Um, is there money to be made? Um, so I watched it for four months. And then after sort of understanding certain market movements, so, you know, for example, Laurent Koscielny ruptured his Achilles, I think, last sort of April. Mm-hmm. I then quickly jumped on and had a look, well, what happens to Samuel Mtiti? What's happened to oh, the central defender at Stoke? I forgot the name, the French guy. Because I was thinking, well, is this gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is this going to affect World Cup, you know, call-ups? Loftus cheek you know in terms of the the hodge um the southgate world cup announcement for england you know i was thinking is loftus cheek's price gonna gonna rocket once he got announced in the squad so there were lots of little kind of trigger points i would sort of just watch and observe just to see how things moved um once i got a bit of a grasp of it i then um jumped in really head first um with a fairly large deposit on the first of september and to be honest, haven't looked back. Um, so I've been an active user from the 1st of September. And then after three months of, you know, reading Twitter, reading every single forum piece of advice, I thought, well, let's just start tweeting and see where it goes. So um, that's a little bit of the background there. So essentially about four or five months training and then five months you've actually been on the platform trading. I would say, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting tactic because... I think that I usually say the best way to learn is to just do. But in your case, you've just kind of stood back and watched the market. Were you never ever tempted in those months to to just jump in, even with like a few quid? Yeah, I was because there was two players in particular. And I, I won't keep mentioning players, I promise. But it's just popped into my head. You know, I looked at Leroy Sane when he wasn't called up for the Germany World Cup. Um, and I looked at Benjamin Mendy, who was going to obviously come back and play, I thought, a big part in Man City season. So back in April last year, I thought, well, wow, those two look pretty safe investments. Um, so to watch them rise over the summer <laughs> and not get involved was quite painful. And actually, that was the big difference between April and September when I really joined. The prices had inflated massively. But mm. to me, it's a, my gambling journey and my background in, in that path of life, 
I've, I've learned a lot of patience and I know there will always be other opportunities. You know, when I first started gambling many, many years ago, I wouldn't want to miss a football match. I wouldn't want to miss a weekend of football because I might miss out. Well, now I've learned sport never ends, football never ends, mm. football index. You know, there's always going to be peaks, troughs, opportunities, injuries. So it, it does require a lot of discipline, but that was just my approach. So, you know, I was tempted, but I, um, I didn't jump in because I wanted to kind of get my, my ducks in order. Fair play. Great discipline there to, to stay away from a market that was kind of booming over the summer, to be honest. So I, I really admire your uh, just your discipline in general. But I think we're going to get into your gambling background a bit later. But before we get into the questions and the inevitability of uh, spreads and the, the matrix changes or dividend increases coming up, I need to shamelessly plug myself and, and plug the YouTube channel first and foremost. If you guys didn't check out my uh, Q&A, I did a Q&A where I took a few questions from the uh, Football Index communities and, and answered them. And uh, I thought it was quite good, personally speaking. And uh, I think a lot of you guys liked them. So, uh, or liked the answers, rather. So thanks so much for uh, all your uh, feedback on that one. If you guys want to read some stuff instead of uh, listen to my annoying voice or see my face, then head over to Medium and the Football Index blog, which has done in conjunction with uh, Football Index Trader and Liam Football Index LM. If you want to hear me speak about football and not Football Index, then head over to the State of Play. That's where myself and Matt Santangelo dissect the ongoings in the top five European leagues and the MLS. And if you want to collaborate or sponsor the Football Index podcast, hit me up on football.index.guide at gmail.com or just DM me. My DMs are open. Please leave a review on the podcast we just passed 100 reviews which is absolutely amazing uh thank you to every single person who's reviewed the podcast whether that's just leaving a five stars or leaving uh, a full-on kind of written review i really like seeing those but on with the questions here panda uh the first thing we're going to talk about obviously is spreads because i think that's on the, the tip of everyone's tongue at the moment uh which wh- whatever side you were kind of on and i, I don't really mean to, to partition it into sides but i i feel that you and i actually had differing views on this which i think will make for quite interesting conversation so the first question from stanford or rather a statement he said i'm a fan of variable spreads as i think they provide stability in what could be an extremely volatile and off-putting market they also serve to protect football index while still pri- providing liquidity. What are your thoughts on the system in general and FI's policy on its use? Yeah, very, very topical question, especially after uh, Friday night's spread gate. Wait, I spread think some people are calling it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, where to come at this question, really? So, I guess number one, my my big concern before I jumped into the index was the financial sustainability of football index as a company. Mm. So I want them, number one, to, you know, protect themselves. Um, Number two, I think anyone that looked at Tuesday night's Champions League action this week and saw what I call the the rather extreme market reaction to to Anthony Martial in terms of the slight groin strain, the massive Mm. drop, then back on the pitch, big, fairly big increase, and then you know, a massive drop again when he was hauled yeah. off at half time. You know, to me, the market at the moment isn't full of mature financial heads necessarily, which, you know, it doesn't, I don't think that's good or bad. That's just my kind of gut feel on it. Mm. And without the spreads being almost like a gatekeeper, I think we would see extremely volatile <sighs> jumps, which wouldn't be healthy and I think would scare off more people than these inconsistent and large spreads. I mean, 
I think the market and the users at the moment, my gauge of it, is that people are a little bit confused. You know, you've got a lot of people from some maybe gambling backgrounds, some from investment backgrounds, and I don't think they know quite how to see the platform. And there's, you know, if you look at the gambling world at the moment, there's instant cash out, which is a fairly new feature mm-hmm. that's been brought in. And I think people are using Football Index, and sometimes they're not necessarily think, well, they think they're going to hold a player for three years, but in realistic terms, that isn't the case. So when they see an injury, or when they hear Neymar has broke his fifth metatarsal, well, you know, or had that injury recently, or just panic sets in. And I think the spreads are such an important part of, of the index to kind of, yeah, not only protect against huge drops, but, you know, also to, um, to to keep Football Index sustainable as a company. The other thing I'll say is, you know, it, I'm not always going to link things to the gambling world, but if you think about setting odds in a line on an event, let's think about, I don't know, pick an arbitrary, like the Super Bowl this year. You know, mm. the Patriots come out as underdogs. Now, all of the money flooded in on the Patriots early, and the Patriots went from a one-point underdog to two-point favourites within about 24 hours. And that's the, that's the line moving, because ultimately... Once the Patriots turned to favourites, the Rams went to underdogs, and then gamblers thought, actually, the Rams is underdogs. That's quite good. So the money coming on the Rams. And the idea is that you have this balancing book effect. And, you know, for mm. Football Index, I think it's absolutely at their discretion where they move the spreads to. And I don't know what modelling inputs they have or what variables that they've got in place there. But, you know, and to an extent, I think it would be in an ideal world, it would be you know consistently applied but you know I, I don't know what their factors are are they you know are they using smart trade do they have some traders they you know are they leaning towards certain traders protecting themselves and because I, I just don't know the kind of what the risk team is doing behind the scenes but i personally don't like to use the um the instant sell function when i buy a player i tend to think i'm going to absorb an injury if it happens um i'm going to try and time my exit strategy um, when the market is surging on that player and try and get out when there's availability to buy. Because I know the market at this stage isn't fully liquid. To me, that's very important when you set out, a, a, you know, the share split is going to hopefully increase liquidity and increase the dividends will get the user base up. So I think instant sale is going to be redundant, hopefully, you know, in the next six to 12 months anyway. So, you know, it, it, it's not a big thing in my world, instant sale, but mm. that's not to belittle it, but, you know, I, I that's a bit of a ramble there. Yeah, no, no, that's that was. Uh, I think you said a lot of great things there. I, I do think that instant sale being redundant in the next six to twelve months. I think that's quite ambitious. If I'm going to speak personally, I think that although the liquidity is great in a lot of players, it's in a. I wouldn't say in a small in a minority of players, but I think there is, you know, certain players that have very good liquidity and that I've sold to market. At, I was saying someone that you know I got in from. Um, uh, the pub or something and I was on the toilet and listed a few futures in a player and they went and it was, it was this was at like past 1am um, which really surprised me they went literally instantly which was incredible and that was the first time that I'd seen Football Index in a truly liquid form uh, at such a you know ungodly hour but um, I, I do want to say a few things and, and first off on the extremely volatile point that Stanford has put out I think that if you look at spreads that we've seen recently in the likes of Martial that were quite big in the likes of Higuain that were quite big 
I think that the movements have still been really big up and down. As you just mentioned in play, those movements were pretty big up and down. So whether or not the spreads puts off extreme volatility, I'm not too sure. If the spread Just was... to jump in there, sorry, fix yeah, it. You sure. think with the Martial, if the spread wasn't 80p or 90p, and I don't know exactly what it was, you, I mean, I, I would envisage if the spread was tighter it would have really snowballed and you could have had a two or three pound drop, but you, you don't I, necessarily... I don't, I, I don't think that he would have dropped two or three pounds. I think that if you think about it, he went to 940 or whatever, he's now at sitting over just over eight quid. I can't have seen Anthony Martial going from £9.40 to £6 or whatever. Um uh just I'm, I'm you know i'm just you know i can't say for certain but i can i can say from you know my experience of looking at the market that i just really can't have seen that i think that what i will say is one man's rubbish is another man's gold right he would have dropped to a point where suddenly someone would have seen value at that price and then demand would have started it's it's kind of like moving the line but um as you just mentioned, he he suddenly becomes an underdog to some extent and people start buying. So I I kind of disagree to some extent that spreads stop volatility because if people want to sell and they have that panic that you've just kind of described, they're not really going to look at the spread. And I think that... Just to to jump in, the Neymar situation, I mean, when we saw the Neymar news that he broke, he had the injury on the evening fairly late and then the day after, um, you know, when you looked at Twitter there was a lot of debate and one of the big factors in people's decisions were the spread is huge add on two percent commission you know he's not going to get that low it I thought it did play into people's psyche yeah and, and I do think when it gets up at that kind of price range it that it's different to a like a, a Higuain or a Deli Alley that we kind of talked about the other day where um and I'm kind of go on I'm going to go on to this like consistency of uh, variables or the variables consistently applied it it was kind of funny to me to see all that debate in in the post that I put up and this wasn't a post that I kind of intended to have um to spark massive debate and obviously you and i spoke uh, both on the timeline and uh, in 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 the dms down in the dms and uh, that's kind of why uh, i thought you'd be a great guest to have on this week it it kind of <laughs> it was funny to me to see his spread go from 80p to 40p within a, like a three or four hour period which, which kind of proved to me that those variables aren't being consistently applied if you can kind of understand because I, th- I think a lot of people's arguments were Look, we don't know the, what the variables are. We kind of give them. We have to give them the benefit of the doubt because you know, Ali spread is ATP, and it's at their discretion to do so because they've applied those variables and they've come up with that spread. I can't think that they've then looked at that and been like, um, right, let's 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 apply those variables again four hours later, and suddenly it's come out at ten percent. I don't understand how that risk model works if those. Uh, variables are being consistently applied do you not think though with all the new users that it's just a case that maybe the risk team are a bit over you know the whole of football index as a company is stretched at the moment sure and, sure no, know, I definitely they, agree with I, i'm sure they just maybe haven't clicked a button there on refresh i mean i i find that deli Alli spread yeah, yeah that that was that was large but yeah i i just wonder whether they just you know forgot to change the manual override on on the full you know something probably happened there you know the control breakdown or something perhaps but I, I just find it hard to believe that they are being consistently applied ac- across the platform and, and if they are and they're being forgotten then that's actually a big problem because you're then you're then stunting liquidity in a lot of players i can i can potentially buy the argument that 
we don't need to see the variables or whatever and we you know we can argue till the cows come home about whether or not we should but if they are forgetting to apply those variables um <laughs> I, I just i just think that's a, that's a that's a big mess up on their point it, it shouldn't be for me to assume anything but that sort of resonates a little bit with me that they may be forgetting to always apply the variables and be consistent in their treatment just like when you've got you know a footballer on the adrian gonzalez which is a left fielder for the los angeles dodgers i believe you know mm. the reserve there's this low-hanging fruit that i think asp mentioned a couple of weeks ago that does need to be fixed um yeah yeah, maybe we'll come on to that later. I think it links in with the scoring matrix and our debate there. But um, yeah, I, the spread. Yeah, the, the spread. Um, yeah, I, th- I think everything you said there was valid. To be fair, um, um, what, what what are your thoughts? Just to jump in, I remember a guy posted a kind of UX redesign of Football Index, and he said that instant sell should be shown as the secondary option, not the prominent one that it's right in a user's face do you think that should be the case do, do you think we should be given the option to market sell um yeah i mean i i struggled with this when i first joined um and that's why i think actually what might be a good idea is to give people you know pilot thousand pounds when they start like you know protect you know fake currency and execute a couple of trades because it's not until you execute and see the commission come off and two percent oh i've got 100 pounds but it's actually only 98 and you see the impact of the spread and i I just think it takes a little bit of time to get your head around the mechanics um Mm. should it be sell to market straight away um yeah i i think it probably should be i mean i'm thinking about betfair which i think is Mm. you know and i think just sorry just before you go on if they want to get to that order book stage faster then it makes sense to educate traders into market selling as much as they can to increase liquidity right yes and that's the that's the idea ultimately isn't it that's where we want to head yeah i I think that what it kind of feels like to me is this kind of spread debate or whatever is football index are trying to push it down the line until order books come in and that can kind of they can kind of say well that was that problem we we had to do some things to make it so that we made money but also we could offer a cash out option um but we we might not have handled it as best as we could and it might not have been perfect but hey look this is the new system which is actually going to alleviate a lot of those concerns and it is still going to have instant sell maybe you know 20 30 percent of the time or whatever whenever they want to offer some liquidity but most of the time you guys are going to be selling and buying from each other i think that's kind of the route they're going to go down and i know that mike on twitter said that he'd kind of put out a blog post um talking about the spreads and i'm I'm really kind of interested to see what it's going to say because i think that that kind of deli alley going from atp to 40 to be spread is gonna kind of be an automatic rebuttal to what i think or what i envision he's probably gonna write yeah and something i was just thinking then when you were talking i said maybe six to 12 months time instant spread being redundant actually i just realized that you know that's actually way off the mark in in high <laughs> i mean when i think now I, I trade nfl games on a sunday and the two tv games you know decent liquidity but if you're trying to trade any others the liquidity isn't there i mean mm. it's gonna take a long time for this platform and all the footballers to be sufficiently liquid where you can market sell a lot of the time mm. so instant sell when the more i think about it it's gonna be around for a while isn't it <laughs> i think so and 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 I, and I think to be fair sam uh, f on the last podcast made an excellent point where he said people don't really understand how football index make money it's kind of through three ways instant sell which is them becoming a market maker commission 
and uh, actual money invested into the index, he did say that he's recently realised that Instant Sale has become a big cash cow for them. So maybe there is that thought in their head where they don't really want to get rid of it sooner rather than later. No, and I think I think Sam mentioned when he was just observing the Paul Pogba situation after Mourinho went, uh, he said, I think he quoted last week, didn't he? 25 20 or grand, yeah, 20, 20, 20 grand, 20 grand, yeah. 20 grand, he they made in, the, in that one spell. Um, so it is clearly quite lucrative for them um i think it's the direction at the moment i i do see it as a gambling platform and when i buy a player you know i've got to exceed i, I build it into kind of where i want to go with it mm. um when it gets to a point of uh, an efficient exchange where you can buy and sell a lot of the players and liquidity is great then you know i'll, I'll kind of adapt at that point but at this point I, I try not to think about the spread because the liquidity isn't there, especially if you're holding, you know, huge numbers of shares in, in players. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm trying to think what, what our conclusion was there. I guess <laughs> consistently applied. Yeah, I, I, I think that's but what I, we want to see. But I, 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 just, I, I don't, don't want to see the variables. I don't, I, don't, sorry, I, just, I don't think we should be privy to the variables. Mm. But, you know, that, again, that's debatable, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Sam also made a good point on Twitter where he said they don't have to show us the variables. But if they did then that kind of builds trust between consumer and product. And I think that's a really important thing, whether or not they can or can't, because it might be um, revealing too much. That's a different question. But if they can offer as much information as possible, then I think it's just better for the company, better for the business model, better for the product in general. But um, I mean, I guess that that one can be debated wherever. I, I had a question for you. What, what did you think of people on Twitter saying that instant sell is a luxury? Uh, and that um, we should be kind of grateful that it's there. Because from my perspective, before you go on an answer, it was kind of, the index wouldn't be where it is right now without Instant Cell, and a lot of people wouldn't have joined Football Index without Instant Cell. So for me to view it as a luxury felt quite strange, or for people to view it as a luxury felt quite strange, because a lot of people have actually deposited and put bets down or invested in players, whatever you want to call it, because Instant Sell is there, not because there's the luxury of Instant Sell. Yeah, without Instant Sell, I don't think this gets off the ground, does it? No, not... Well, so, I mean, I, 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 I could tell you the fact, term. I, I was there when there was no Instant Sell, and it was... Uh, it, <laughs> it was not very, uh, not very fun. Well, no, I mean, I've... <laughs> I've been stuck with one player for, for sort of weeks as it is actually my, my fault actually I kind of poorly executed a couple of trades if there's a question later on my worst trade in the six yeah. months I can, I can bring it out but um, yeah I um, I forgot what the question was there it, it was just about uh, the word like using spreads when there was no instant sale yeah yeah, yeah yeah instant sale is a luxury yeah which you know I, I disagree with that I'm kind of with you on that one Mm -hmm. uh, and next question from Index Guy here. Uh, following Spreadgate, do you think FI should implement a more interactive and logically dynamic metric to calculate spreads? For example, amount in Q cell, quantity of instant selling within a time frame, etc., to reflect more accurately a supply and demand of the market. You know, it, it, does this not go back somewhat to what mm. we were discussing? Yeah, yeah, of course. Of, you know, I think I, I'm not particularly fussed about their variables they use i think it's a gambling company they've got every right to try and protect themselves and make money you know i i do get the whole consumer confidence relationship building and i think it's just you know it's ever so important to, to, to retain customers and keep customers but i think that comes from 
timely communication response in emails. I think a fully functioning website and app that, you know, doesn't crash, which it really doesn't at the moment. So <laughs> I think there's other ways to build that confidence. This, you know, these variables behind the scenes. I, I find it hard to comment on this question, to be honest, because I, I haven't modeled, you know, I, the financial metrics and inputs that are needed to kind of calculate those spreads. Yeah, mm. uh, it's hard for me to kind of pass an opinion on that really. So I've thought about this from a few different angles and and the one that I think is the most interesting is going back to a conversation that we were having with ASP or I was having with ASP on the podcast about kind of friends of his that um, are quite wealthy or are involved in the financial markets and I've spoken to other people both at Trader Meets and in person alike that have kind of the similar concerns where they see it as a bit of a black box where they don't understand why players go up, why players go down. Uh, you know, F- football indexes, finances are, are quite um, closed off as, you know, they have every right to, be, to do so as a private company. A lot of people look at it and think there's not enough intuition or logic to what's going on. Therefore, I'm out automatically. They don't even give it a second look. And these are people who are really smart and have a lot of money and have a lot of expendable income that could be going into the market. So for me, I looked at it and when Sam made that uh, comment about kind of building more trust between consumer and product, for me, I thought that it's not only important to build more trust between your current customers and um, your product, but more people who are looking at it from an outside in. Mm-hmm. Is that, when when ASP said that a couple of weeks ago, you know the large investors um, mm-hmm. have a lot of disposable income and they've got a lot of other investment opportunities open to them. Um, in my, my initial thought was, you know, are we are we ready to absorb them at this point? You know, the, mm-hmm. there's there's so much to fix, not so much, but there are elements of the website to fix, biographies of players. You know that, you know, I feel like we've uh, we need to, yeah, the, the, there's a bit of a sort of journey to go on um, before before we can attract those customers. I mean, to me, I had a lot of concerns. I did see it as a bit of a black box, as you say, um, mm. in April, which is why I kind of observed it quite closely for four months. And to me, to invest, I set myself quite an aggressive, you know, return on investment. Um, I, I kind of thought, right, this is what I I think I can, you know, take out of this in a year. I think I can get a return on. I set it as very, very high because of the risks involved, you know, lack mm-hmm. of liquidity of a kind of raw startup company, you know, that that's all built in for me at the moment. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, there is, a, there is a long way to go. And it is a black box, whether the variables behind the spreads would, would help that relationship. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's uh, for, for me again, I kind of agree on your point that, it wouldn't be on the top of my priority list in terms of fixing that or not fixing or building consumer confidence. But I do think that maybe a point we're going to go on to now, Jamie Harwood, who who talks about kind of communications and professionalism on the FI side, he says there's been a lot of recent activity on the index from one or two of the team from FI, most of and most of it has come across very negatively. Do you think they really need to stay away from social media and, pl- and employ someone to do it? The reason for this is in my eyes, I try and convince mates to join the index and they come on Twitter to see the unprefer- unprofessionalism and say to me, this looks like a bit of a joke. Uh, is this cause for concern here, mate? I think so. Uh, I mean, it, look, it doesn't bother me. I want to put that out there. Again, it's all built into my kind of look. I want high returns because this is a fairly raw company. It's in the early stages. I quite like 
the fact that you know we get direct direct communications mm. with the marketing director so i enjoy it but stepping outside of what i think when you're looking at a wider audience and what other people may think i just think yeah it, it, i thought the tweets were fairly poor to be honest and you know i almost choked on my dinner the night when he sent out the 840 us horse racing uh you know look at look at look at the liquidity or look at the spread on this horse race and it had about 47 pounds in the market and it was it, it just had no correlation <laughs> between what we were trying to discuss i mean i just thought you know if you are looking at that and you're a savvy investor and you, you are going to be thinking well how it's going to set alarm bells ringing i think and then yeah it, it felt a bit uncalled for the kind of vox last year i mean i they're, they're doing a great job i mean mike's doing a great job i've listened to a few of his slots on Talksport, and mm. the company's moving in the right direction um so you know you think the progress i haven't been around that long but i'm sure you know from listening to your podcasts it's been a, it's been a great journey so far but i think maybe it's about time in this day and age and there is a pc brigade and people seem very sensitive nowadays on twitter again i'm not but people tend to be and I think it's probably, I think it caused more trouble than it's worth these tweets. And they always seem to be on a Friday night, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't really know what to say on that. Um, I think that, obviously, I was kind of embroiled in that. So I'll, I'll kind of speak from uh, my personal standpoint from um, what was going on there. I, I think that a lot of the, the comments that Mike made, and uh, to be fair, uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of... Um, hold my hands up at this point as well uh, the comments that I made probably shouldn't have been made in the first place but I think that when you go down the route of um, not offending but kind of pointing out that it's the customer's fault and not the company's it it doesn't bode well and I think that that mantra or that kind of shitty uh, mantra that loads of salespeople like to say which is uh, the customer's always right it's true to this day and age with any business and i think that when you're saying hey look they're actually not a problem if people stopped complaining then no one would really notice them i think that's just even if it's true even if it's true it's just fundamentally the wrong way to go about things you only need to look at the responses it riles yeah. people up and do you I, even I, want to rile up five percent of your customers or ten percent you exactly. know what, what 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 what's the advantage to it that's what i'm struggling to understand you know why go there in the first place and, and i think that it paints this kind of image of a, a me against the world which i don't think you need to do football index should be thinking of this as like a a family them and the community as one because at the end of the day the way their business model works is that we are all um and i say i do this in air quote air quotes stakeholders in the market and i think that <laughs> it, it was quite interesting to me to gauge both reactions from people who had been on football index since the beginning and people who had been on football index like very recently like yourself um there were some people who just said i'm just kind of disappointed by this these are people who have been on the platform since the very start and these are people that have kind of some of they're, they're some of the people that are the reason that football index is still here so i think alienating those users is is really risky but that's what it comes down to isn't it what when you hit the button tweet and you send that message out and as you say i just don't know what the um the benefit was to it i mean mm. there, there seems to be it, it's quite an unusual set up and you know company in some ways from my perspective as a relatively new user that you've got the, the not the godfathers but you know you've got the original investors in the original group and there does seem to be a lot of sway and their their opinions seem to carry a lot of weight not only with maybe new traders but with football index you know mm. 
the whole goal goals and assist dividends, which threw me off completely as a new user. I mean, that was one of the kind of was that late October? I'm just trying to think mm-hmm. of the time. But I hadn't been on the platform long when the goals and assist announcement came out. But I was, you know, I didn't think it was handled particularly well for what it's worth. But there was a big uproar on Twitter, um, and that kind of caused Football Index to reevaluate and to to try and reset the position on it and and formalise the communication, suspend the market. So. Sorry, the second time it really, really worked. So no, I, it, I don't, it feels like they've taken a step, another step backwards. It, it, it did. They listened in that sense, and then they've kind of almost taken. They take. It's, it, I get the impression they've taken a little bit of offence to kind of you know they're sitting and looking at Twitter all day, and they're thinking in in some forms, well, the community is so ungrateful. Why are they overreacting? You know, mm. and there, there seems to be that little bit of an edge to it. And Mike said, you know, there was a couple of sarcastic responses to the increasing dividends from Mike when he said, well, you know, I didn't think you guys wanted change. There's just this sarcastic undertone or this. I think there's a disconnect. What I think there's a disconnect between consumers and product that kind of marketing have to fill in the gap for. Um, the community at the moment seem to have completely different opinions for what Football Index think that the community are thinking. If that makes sense, um, Is that and right? uh, I, I think so to some extent because I think if if Mike comes out and says. I don't know if you guys wanted change or I thought you guys wanted no change. So we've not considered uh, increasing dividends. And then a couple people say, oh, well, obviously everyone wants dividends to be increased. Then for me, that kind of uh, shows that there might be a slight disconnect there. Um, I I just want to talk about it a little bit more because I think a lot of people use the word disappointing. And for me, it was for, for someone personally who, who looks up to Mike, Kieran and Adam, who uh, I see these guys as, as people I, I strive to achieve as much in life. It, it was disappointing to see some of the um, some of the kind of replies to people that have been on the index for ages and who have been on there since the start, who, who are uh, a massive part of why the product is here. And also then again, traders that have just come on and, and might feel alienated by it but um sorry i think this is why though sometimes companies put up that that wall of barrier that they have that customer sure. relations team in place because clearly the football index you know mike adam the guys you mentioned they're passionate about their product they want it to succeed they are trying their best to an extent and the criticism they hear from social media everyone gets criticized nowadays on social mm. media when you when you're successful or put yourself out there i mean social media you know that's another thing that's another discussion you know when they hear it you know i do think they're taking it um personally and they clearly are you know a little bit sensitive to that so and and i kind of understand that because it is their baby like they have been there since the start they are shareholders blah 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 like yeah but but they've got to be a little bit more thicker skin i don't know if it's thicker skin i think it's just being a bit more cute about the way you go about things i i think there are so many people who have built up really positive and strong brands. And I think Football Index have some of the stickiest user base I've ever seen in, in any product. But there are products that they can take inspiration from that have built really strong communities and they have um, they have they they have mastered communications between them and consumer. And I think Football Index need to try and strive to do so. Um uh, what about your <laughs> what about what are your thoughts about after afterwards where there was kind of a bit of humor maybe from myself and, and uh, a lot of other traders about the, the kind of car analogy um for me that was uh trying to put a, a more lighter spin on it because i do think some of the the comments made were just 
it weren't helping anyone so it was kind of trying to put a, a positive spin on things what, what did you think about that in general um it depends really i think i think if you're if you're labeled as a as a kind of guardian of the community and a huge part of onboarding and you're a big reason why i joined and this i think this podcast was one of the main assets you know uh, or made decisions sorry for me to join then i kind of questioned it you know yeah. almost adding fuel to the fire turning it into even more of a mockery you know but <laughs> Then I, I mean, again, look, I found it funny. So it's I, I'm, I'm always, these questions. I kind of think of how am I viewing it, but then mm. how is the wider audience and how yeah. are the new users maybe going to see it? So um, it just turned into a bit of a fast, didn't it, really? But yeah, yeah, yeah. some of those responses to the cars were uh, genius. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good, like you know, clever, quick-witted people out there. <laughs> there really is. I mean, uh, it's amazing. People are so quick. But no, I, I do I do apologise if I caused it any offence. I do I did genuinely think it was uh, a big laugh, especially after I I kind of looked through the comments on on the tweet that that Mike made about the the Astra, the Voxel Astra. And I just thought, like, I, I don't know if this is kind of, uh, if he's taking the piss or if it's kind of serious. Yeah, it was, because um, I, I just tweeted, I think I just, you know, get the popcorn ready, you know, one of those yeah. gifts with the light. Because you just thought, wow, this is going to be fireworks. You know, Friday night, everyone's at home on Twitter. This isn't going to go down well. You could see it coming a mile off, you know, the Voxel Astra and the, yeah, God. it's... It was such a. It was. It was nearly as. I thought it was even worse analogy to the horse one that you you just brought up. Oh, oh no! I'm I, no, I didn't choke on my dinner Friday night. I mean, <laughs> I, but the, the horse one was. I could not believe it. No, this was. This this was a close second. <laughs> I just hope there aren't. I just hope there aren't a, a series of these over the next six months. I. I yeah. I really hope they tighten it up because I. I go back to ASP's point about people who are and and you know to your point they might not the platform might not be ready for them but those bigger investors they want things airtight and if they see people doing stuff like this then i'm not sure they're going to be tempted no no and you know i i was at the trader meet briefly actually first event i've been to and yeah the, the q a's were okay um you know, there was an example from Adam Cole, who's done an incredible job. So I, it seems like, you know, pick on Football Index, but it's not. But there was an example with numbers he used about breaking down shares, dividing it by 20. And just, it, it just felt a little bit cumbersome. And then mm. the stream wasn't particularly great. So I, I don't know. T- to me, it's all part and parcel at the moment. It's a growing company. There's big returns on offer. And you have to take a little bit of the rough with the smooth. But yeah, I where, they, where, where they can help themselves, um, you know, number one, yeah changing the website increasing the kind of usability adding biographies so there's this low-hanging fruit in terms of uh, the mechanics of the product that's going to take time and i'm willing to be mm. patient for that but on the other hand you've got these i guess these social media outbursts and this kind of laughing stock situation really that that can be stopped straight away you know we don't need to wait to implement that so exactly exactly i think that as asp mentioned the the low-hanging fruit the um the quick fixes that can be done now uh, let's do them and then move on and and concentrate on the bigger issues football index are in hyper growth mode at the moment so a lot of these things that we're asking for in terms of functionality and whatever and whatever and 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 they're going to take a longer time because at the moment their priority is is just onboarding as many people as possible and, and, I, and I think we need to be patient i mean i think i think we're constantly Asking i don't know yeah yeah I, I think i think there's it's been a great journey been a great january the talk sport segments have been really good mm-hmm. you know the market is is growing and i think they are moving in the right direction and they are full-time at their job and you know i've got faith 
in them to move us where we need to go. Um, so this constantly sniping at the scoring matrix, and do, I, I find all that a bit tiresome. Um, mm. But the social media aspect, and you know, I think that question from Jamie, um, I think that's time to stop. Mm. Yeah, let's put a pen in that one once and for all. Uh, the next question is from Fi Panini. Uh, this is a b- big tangent we're taking here. What are your plans for the for your portfolio over the summer with no major tournament? I think a lot of new traders have been messaging me and asking me about this. Um, so, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is there's another question actually about what one cycle would you have liked to gone through, um, mm. and I think I'll answer that one now as well because I sure. I would have loved to have been through a summer with no major tournament. Obviously, I observed the market last summer, but let's remember there was a World Cup with dividends on offer, yeah. and then a shortened kind of off season as you'd call mm. it. So I'm intrigued to see how this summer goes. Um, in terms of my portfolio, I have about forty percent kind of MB and PB players that I'd label them. So you know. I'll probably will leave those. Um, I've got my PB defenders, midfielders, forwards. Um, I have a, about 10% in what I'd call kind of flippers. So, you know, that I try and flip uh, for, for kind of 15 or 20% profit. And then I have a bucket for youth. So portfolio split into to categories. Um, it, each sort of trade or each player I have, I do have an exit strategy in mind for them. Obviously, that, that changes and is kind of reassessed on a weekly basis. So... What am I going to do over the summer? Well, there isn't a blanket strategy. It's going to be on a case-by-case basis. So um, do I think that in some instances I may sell? Uh, I'm just trying to think sort of where to go with this. If you sell, you're going to be paying 2% commission. Um, so on the big prices, you know, you're going to need to be quite sure they drop by a substantial amount more to pick them up again and i'm not so sure i'll do that i think the market's a little bit more savvy now i don't think the winter break was i don't think the effects of it were as extenuated this year well i don't think it was as dramatic no and a lot of people thought that they would be there was a yeah. lot of people both on twitter and slack and facebook saying oh i'm selling everyone um yeah and, and there was a few savvy traders that picked up some players for a bit of a discount yeah yeah and i and i think yeah, I mean, my plan on my real keyholes is probably to hold. I'm not going to liquidate the whole portfolio and then rebuy in September. But there are players with transfer rumours to maybe, you know, exiting the Premier League. Obviously, I'll be paying a close attention to those, maybe looking to get out of those a little bit early. So it, it really is a case-by-case case basis. I, I wanted to ask, actually, put this question back to you. I mean, what do you think will happen overall in the summer? I mean, how are they going to combat it? Could they bring in Copper America dividends? Um, I've thought about Copper America dividends, and I think they could implement that. But above all, I think that a lot of people that will join the summer or that will enter or like uh, will be here this summer will be trying to set up one for they're going to try and trade in and out the transfers. But above all, they're going to try and start speculating for what might happen in the next season. I mean, you have to remember that how long do we usually see the breakers? The last games are in like late May, June, and then the the, the season starts in uh, early August. So that's, let's say, two months, uh, give or take. Pre-season starts about four weeks before that. So realistically, there's four weeks of no football happening whatsoever, right? Uh, well, that's, and in- yeah, that's June, isn't it? So June is yeah. very, very quiet, isn't it? With a part, well, we'll have the we'll have the Nations League this year, won't we? Yeah, exactly, and and Copper America. So I think that you are going to have football on offer, um, whether or not people hold players that are very unlikely to win media buzz or performance buzz over the summer that's you know just speculating that cop america might come in 
I'm not sure. But as you mentioned, some of those players are going to be right at the top of the index. And are they going to drop more than 2%? I'm not too sure. And I, I think that there's going to be that situation where players fall and there are going to be people who are going to jump on them getting ready for the next season. As I mentioned, that kind of effect of one man's rubbish is another man's gold. I think it's going to... I, I think it's just going to... For me, it's a bit of a weird question to answer because I've been through two to three summer cycles now, one being with the World Cup, one with the Euros. Uh, the one with no tournament was very volatile, but we didn't have PB. So there were players who were who were going up three pounds because they were moving into the only realistic uh, MB pool, being the Premier League. There was the Hameses, the Griezmanns, etc., but now I almost think that there are players that basically whether or not they move, they kind of have a bottom, if that makes sense. So there are going to be people, for example, if a player is linked to... Let's let's take Eden Hazard, for example, right? He's going to be a lot of the rage during the summer. He's probably going to pick up a lot of MB. You know, this is not a vindication of him or kind of uh, an indication to buy whatever but there are going to be people who are spec who will speculate that he will be better for pb at real madrid he'll still win from some media buzz blah 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 and there'll be people who say well he'll his will his pb that he wins at madrid um outweigh the mb that he loses from leaving chelsea and so there are going to always be two sides to the coin just like we had in the pogba scenario and there are going to be people that are right so i think that whoever you own like whatever player you own over the summer or going into the summer there are going to be people speculating either way for their place price to go up or down if that makes sense there are that many users at the moment i think it's the players that i will focus on in my portfolio that have a minimal chance of moving maybe they've signed a new contract they score well in terms of pb dividends you know, they're not playing in, in any international football over the summer. So mm. realistically, you kind of say goodbye to activity on them on, I don't know, the 18th of May, and you pick it up again at the end of August. Um, mm. it's but, but then don't don't you have to be very, very confident that they drop that 2%, as you mentioned? Well, that, yeah, that, that's what you have to think about, isn't it? Are they going to drop in excess of 2% from the point you sell? Um having not been through a summer and to be honest even if you've been through a summer in the past how relevant is that exactly. knowledge now because it's a different market it's a different Very you know it's new users so i think we're all learning as we go i mean i'd love to know exactly what was going to happen this summer and how prices were going to kind of drop up and down but i think that's the to boil it down that's the question you probably ask isn't it you know are they going to drop mm. if you can sell to market of course um are they going to drop by in excess of two percent of that because if you're sure they are going to drop five or six percent then you would sell, wouldn't you? And you'd rebuy, you know, at the bottom. But that's, again, assuming you get on at the bottom and you mm. don't miss the beat and someone else buys. So it, it will be a, it'll be a, an interesting period, I think. And mm. um, I'm sure there'll be some frustration out there because there probably will be some drops on the market. Then. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, now it's time for our uh, data section uh, provided by the guys at index gain and i think a week ago we talked about the importance of game winning goal and this came from um golfing granddad or he's now rebranded as uh, gg index i believe but um it, it and it, it kind of goes back to also what sam talked about where in the last podcast where he disliked game winning goal so we thought we'd carry on that theme and the one singular stat that they have 
for me is that only 16% of Starman winners on treble days, so that's winning the, the A-team-P, have done it without game-winning goal. So what are your thoughts in general about game-winning goal? Yeah, I... Could it be... Well, I, I'm trying to think of the solution to this. I mean, I, I've heard the comments over the last few weeks around, sure. you know, let's say let's say a game is one all. You obviously score the second goal. Um, so that's that should make it 2-1. So that's your game-winning goal. Um, and then, you know, a guy scores on the counter-attack to make it 3-1. And then there's this kind of last-minute penalty conceded. So the game ends 3-2. And mm-hmm. it was that third goal in the piece from, you know, Team A. That ultimately, you know, that that guy gets the game-winning goal, and it's got huge volatility to it. Um, that's where it turns into just, you know, a bit of luck and a bit of chance. Um, but I do think there should be some extra value in scoring a goal when the game is tied. I don't know whether we change it to game-winning goal or or lead-creating goal. I just think football is very subjective, but I think when a game is tied or it's in a position of a draw. Mm. you should be valued more if you if you break the deadlock and you put your team ahead i think there's more pressure to convert the chance um you know you're turning one point into potentially three so Mm. i do the the concept of it i I quite like um but it's when you get these six three games and it turns into the the fourth goal score you know it's a really tricky one this is um, because it, it clearly is hugely important in the scoring and it creates a little bit of randomness. Um, and I don't think people necessarily like it. But, yeah, uh, go on, sorry. No, no, no. What do you, I don't know, what do you think about, do you, do you see the value of, you know, breaking a deadlock and putting your team in the lead? Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, I very much think that there are goals that are more important than others and um, a goal that goes from 1-1 to 2-1 or 2-2 to 3-2, sh- like, that is the most important goal of the game and i can see that being rewarded more the problem is that we we get to the five one six ones and the person who scored the second goal it's i mean we can debate whether or not that's as important and you can kind of go back to the whole semantics of oh well if he didn't score that second goal then they might not have gone on to win six one or whatever but i do personally and i think this might be an overawing opinion that people value that deadlock winner more mm. it's the four threes maybe where you've got a team that's say four one up um so player x has scored the fourth goal and then the opposition score two i don't know late kind of consolation goals to make it four three all of a sudden the guy that scored goal four which you know turned it into four one the pressure on that chance isn't particularly high and you know i don't think that should be a game winning goal um but I don't know how you potentially change the, you know, it makes it quite complicated, doesn't it, to change it to lead creating goal or, um, yeah, because your guests and, and I don't know about you, Fick, do you ultimately want to see game uh, game winning goal removed or do you not have a strong opinion on it? Um, I'm not too sure. Clearly by the stats now, if you removed game winning goal, then it would... Obviously, there'd have to be... I I hate answering these questions without having actual um, data in front of me or if anyone's done some modelling. It's quite hard for me to say, but on an intuition side from like a, just a user looking at the platform, I think it makes more sense that game and goal is either reduced or it's... Um, and remember, like 
this doesn't have to be the only alteration. If you reduce game-winning goals, that that means then players like Neymar and, and Messi are less likely to score higher because, you know, whatever. Um, you can then add a function where if they score more than one goal in a game, it's rewarded more highly, like we talked about with, with Sam in the in the past uh, podcast. And people always talk about, oh, well, I'm not sure about adding, you know, dribbles and stuff like that. Well, there's only a, you know, the players at the top of the, the index are the ones that are going to be most suited to changes in the scoring matrix in my opinion do you know what i mean like there's a lot of people who say oh i don't want it changed my bets are already placed well in actual fact if indeed football index were to change the matrix to make it more intuitive and in line with true performance then the guys at the top would either rise or not fall if that makes sense no if we took away game winning goal um the market i feel would become quite fractured in the sense the pool of players you'd own would be even less mm, you know yeah. it may, it may yeah. be in line more with the real world of football but it would make you know I, yeah I don't know if removing that volatility makes it necessarily healthier mm. I think it may I, reduce the pool of attractive assets that you know you've got on offer yeah I guess that goes back to the point of um it, it wouldn't have to be done alone and it could be done in conjunction with adding some other elements that it would need to be. more of a dynamic to the, to the matrix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about attacking football was, you know, the hardest part, um, you know, scoring goals. Um, you look at like former greats of the game. I think I, t- I tweeted this, like, you know, the Maradonas, the Pelés, the Van Bastens, the Johan Cruyffs, you know, they're mm. attacking flair players and we value that. And we always will do. Um, and if I think about a football team attacking to create a goal, what are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to break down the structure of the defence and they're trying to uh, systematically pull defenders out of position. Um, so that's why a take-on or a dribble is so valuable because you're ultimately removing one player from the defensive structure. You're kind of taking him out of the game. So would I like to see dribbles introduced? You know, yes, I would. I think passes are a tricky one. Um, passes in the final third, there are more pressure on them. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, there probably should be some more value there. Um, now, I know players don't necessarily like the one point for every single pass. Someone like Thiago or uh, a Modric who sits and dictates the play and sets the mm-hmm. tempo of the game. Create Maybe, you know, they produce a lot of five or six yard passes. You know, to me, I, I, you know, registers or deep line playmakers, I, I I think there's a value in that. You know, I think someone like, you know, Manchester United need a tempo setter, someone to control the game. So, uh, you know, would I change the passes? I'm not so sure. I I find the scoring matrix discussion fascinating. I'd almost like to sit with some very smart football people and spend a day in a bit of a workshop looking through it. But I think, I think the trouble is people will see football in different ways. So I think it's going to be hard. I don't think you're going to please everybody, but are there some, some minor tweaks, you know, maybe I know you've challenged me before on crosses, Mm. um, you know, yeah, I, about this I think we did, yeah, because I think I sent you some data um, from a guy called Harrison Crow on Twitter. Mm. I think only 7.4% of the time are crosses accurate. And, you know, for me, a good crosser of the ball can put the ball in a certain area of the box. And, you know, I, I quite value fullbacks who have the lung busting runs to get on the outside and kind of, you know, put a cross in. So I quite like that they're scored highly. But, other people think they're overweighted, and you know, if you if you if you know if you hit a cross off a defender and it goes out to a corner, I don't know, is that seven points or eight points? And people yeah, think that yeah. people think that's over the top. I mean, I'm not sure. I do see that, and I, I think that's that's 
the kind of rabbit hole you go down when, when you think about scoring matrices. I'm not sure you can please everyone. And one of my friends, actually, who joined the index, you know, he looked at it and said, well, why is N'Golo Kante so cheap? I mean, this is going back to last year. He's one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. So should he not be higher up? Um, you know, if we want it to be in line with the real world, then, you know, do we need to not do more than for the defensive midfielders? So uh, it, it's not real football. You know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a game. There are rules, you know, certain players are going to be more suitable to the rules. Um, that's kind of the fact of the matter. Can it be tweaked to, to bring out some more subtleties? I think yes is the answer, but you know, and I think we've just discussed a couple of things there, like dribbles, passing option third, but it's a very difficult, difficult one. Mm. Yeah, of course, it's never going to be perfect. I, I just sometimes I think about it and I'm like, yeah, OK, maybe only small minor tweaks are needed. And then I kind of go and change my fantasy team. And then I look at their scoring matrix and I'm like, how do they have a more robust scoring matrix than Football Index when there is no money involved? I, I just find it fascinating that people think that this is the final iteration of Football Index and we should not um, improve it. Whereas we have free games that are actually, okay, granted they are 10 years plus old, whatever, but they have a more robust and, and complex dynamic scoring matrix that Football Index do. I find that quite jarring. They do, they do. They do, yeah, 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 they do. But, but, it, but it shows, right? It shows, and I think ASP talked about this, you're never going to make it perfect, but the closer that it is to that, a subjectively or whatever objectively statistically perfect thing the better i think yeah but the idea being you watch a game and intuitively how you feel the performance of that player is matches up to the scoring matrix i just think that's hard to achieve but it we is. can get we can get closer it is it is but i i often do think that if fancy football are more accurate in in producing that then i think there's an issue there I'm going to look into that, and uh, <laughs> that's your gut feel, is it? That they I, they I are more, they're, they're, they're scoring matrix when you look at some of the numbers coming through, that ties a bit more to how you perceive a game to be. Well, well I mean, I, I was just thinking about the bonus point thing that you talked about. I don't know how many of our listeners are kind of really familiar with um, fantasy football. I'm, I'm presuming quite a few of them, but Wan-Bissaka is in the top kind of fifteen or so defenders, and I think he's made more successful tackles than any fullback in the league this season. And for me, that's obviously quite, um, you know, that's a that's a big thing for a fullback. Successful tra- tackles. You're you're one on one with uh, wingers quite a lot. That's you know quite well, an important thing. Yeah, also, also uh, Fig, you're playing in a team that is conceding yeah. a lot of possession, and you're having more chances to tackle. Yeah, I I, I take that on board. I guess so. Um, but I guess that there are also loads of other teams that are giving up possession and aren't making as many tackles as him. So I, I guess you know you know we can go back and forth on that forever. But uh, more more to my point, I think that he he often gets quite a few bonus points and then if i look again past the list looking at other players like kieran trippier who gets quite a few um assists crosses a lot uh scores scores goals on the other occasion there's also value in that is the disparity in on football index too great uh between just those who contribute from an attacking standpoint say the crosses say the assists whatever um two players that are also defensively astute that's kind of my worry that on fpl for example both of those players are being represented and they're quite close in terms of points scored throughout a season but on football index uh you know on performance bars not looking at their price they're not really as 
um as close there's there's a there's more it's more disparate mm. are we it's a hard one isn't it, it, it really... yeah it, it, i think it's fascinating i mean if we increase the tackle score to bring up one bissaka then you know the impact of that on def- i'm just trying to think the knock-on effect of defensive yeah i mean i, I was fucking players uh, up the air this is just... yeah yeah no 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 i know but a one is a good example because he picks up bonus points for fun doesn't he uh, yeah um yeah I... <laughs> it's a tough one isn't it i think i think that i think what i liked about something that asp said on twitter where someone said you know people have made their bets we shouldn't change the uh, scoring matrix uh, it's never going to be perfect what's the, what's the point and he his response was kind of i find that a very poor outlook on product development that um we shouldn't sp- strive for, for perfection which was quite interesting but i think we need to leave the the scoring matrix thing here Every, everything though should be constantly improved i believe sure. and there would be mass panic and there would be some anger out there but it would be up to football index who are the the experts to manage that message and to kind of i don't know how they'd satisfy uh old bets versus you know new bets in the new matrix i don't know how they yeah. manage that process but you know they're paid to do that and um they, <laughs> exactly. they don't have to think about the answer yeah I, I often say that people say well what would you do fig and i'm like you know it's not my job to decide what they do um yeah. Oh, well, if you guys enjoyed uh, that stat that was given to me by uh, the, the the chaps index game, then you should definitely check them out. They've got a great Slack community um, that you can interact with loads of traders. But I think over two thousand five hundred at the moment, and they've also got a premium statistical uh, service, or that they're a data provider. Basically, you can check out everyone's PB and MB yields uh, throughout this season and 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 last as well uh, so if you want a cheeky discount on that just enter the code fig 2019 at checkout for 50 percent off your first month a quick disclaimer this is for new users only so if you're thinking about che- being cheeky unsubscribing and then using my code saving yourself enough for a, a, a basically a free meal deal then uh, don't do so uh, <laughs> thank you very much at the the guys at index game for providing that data so next we've got a little section here on kind of being a new-ish trader uh, so i'm going to read out all the questions that we got and maybe you can kind of talk more about your um journey in general so jack says uh after january it feels that there may be many new users contemplating increasing their initial stake on the platform what gave you faith to go bigger on your initial investment is there anything that held you back from investing more in your first six months are you going through the questions now or maybe I, I was going to but i think that it might make sense okay um bold it i i didn't actually go back and uh and reinvest so i won't necessarily repeat the full answer from earlier because i think we've been through it but i essentially watched the market for four months learned the market and then i made one fairly large deposit um and sort of kicked off from there to be honest so um not you know is there anything that held you back from investing more in your first six months well not not really i kind of invested as much as i was comfortable with trading as much as you know if it all went wrong i could lose um but balance that with the kind of a financial target of what what i wanted to make to be honest so mm. um yeah what gave me faith really was just the, the company and uh, the platform growth i think there's a, was a rising tide lifts all boats you know i think yeah. the platform is just going to go from strength to strength to be honest um 300 users i think right at the moment and i think it's just going to continue to grow so that's what gave me the confidence 
yeah, I think that hyper growth, this hyper growth stage is truly phenomenal, and, and long may it continue. The guys at Forbidden Index are doing a great job in, in in getting as many new people on board as possible. Where Mike and and Stu predominantly. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, next question from Divi Dave: As a relatively new user, what did you find the most confusing element of the platform at first? How and where did you find answers to your questions, and what would you recommend to other new users? Um, at the time. I wasn't particularly fluent on Twitter, so I went to the forum, Football Index Forum, and sifted through pretty much every thread to read the answers. Um, I also stumbled across your podcast and listened to kind of every episode. So the forum on Football Index and the podcasts are my absolute, you know, that was what what got me going. Um, Twitter... I'm on the fence. I think there's some great people on Twitter, but I think you just need to kind of be careful not to get swept up in it and keep your own mind and make your own decisions. Um, so I think it's very easy. Uh, there are some fairly relentless accounts out there that you know, <laughs> put a lot of information into your newsfeed. And, you know, if you're having a weaker moment or you maybe have had a couple of drinks or you've got some money <laughs> floating around in your account, it kind of can be quite easy to get swept along on it and jump on board. So I do think you need to tread with a little bit of caution on Twitter. Um, just like you do the forum, though, there are some good and bad threads. So I think you just always need to keep a kind of clear head, uh, read as much as possible um, and, and listen to the podcasts. Um, what did I find the most confusing element? Um, everything, to be honest, at the start. Yeah. You know, how, what was instant sell? What was market sell? Scoring matrix? You know, the, I, 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 the onboarding process. Yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing, um, you know, when I stumbled across this last April. So, um, yeah, everything, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, resounding everything. Uh, and Mortz, and then two footballs in his uh, Twitter handle. As Panda, I've gone bigger in the last few months as I f- as felt I needed to so I could afford players I wanted. Did Panda do the same as he felt without big events, uh, investments, he wouldn't get the profit he wanted out of FI? You've spoken a bit about your aggressive tactic. Yeah, absolutely that, really. I mean, I... You know, I make I make some money in Betfair, and for it to be worthwhile for me on Football Index, I kind of yes set my deposit in line with what I wanted to achieve. So you know, more hit the nail on the head. Really, I, I wouldn't have got the profit if I'd have put in less. Mm, interesting. Uh, another kind of question in this um, little section: Index Profit Hunter. Which social media platform have you found the most helpful during your time on the index? Um. I only use Twitter. I'm not on Facebook, actually. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's a big Instagram out there. And I'm not an index. I'm not actually not an index gain, although the guys are great there. I use Football Index Edge. So what social media platform? It has to be Twitter, just by default, mm. really. Mm. I do think people need to have a look at the forum, have a look at Slack, have a look at Facebook, and kind of um, just find where you are most suited to being on, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 I, I agree, agree with that. And I think you just you need to have a bit of an ability to kind of just read a lot and just think what resonates with you. And if it does, maybe copy and paste it into a kind of separate Word document. You know, when I found <laughs> some good advice or some good stats, I just lift it and I'd kind of, you know, I kept a, a bit of an Excel workbook actually with good little tidbits and sort of wisdom in there. That's really, that's a really good idea. Never thought about doing that. Really good. That's 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 some good advice for new traders. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well next question from gg for the index uh who's who's actually his question has, has based the data section for the last two episodes which is pretty impressive it says do you believe group chats of traders have the power to influence the market um 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I actually talked to, to Gigi a little bit. So uh, I do think, uh, yeah, they absolutely do. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if you have, I don't know if it happens. I've obviously got no insight into that. I, I don't talk to that many traders. But, you know, if you've got four or five group chat of some of the original investors or some fairly big investors, if they decide to sell, it's going to set off a bit of a, a mass panic. So I think they absolutely can invest. Um, if they want to equally, you know, push a player, I don't, I'm not going to name any player. Well, I don't know who that may be. I mean, who's risen a lot recently, maybe Raphael Liao at Lille. I mean, mm. if they want to jump on board and they time the, the jump together and all start buying, then I think at the moment you've got some fairly vulnerable users out there that are going to see a 30, 40 P rise and they're going to want to have it. They're going to want to jump on that, that, that Diploma, train. Right? Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they do have the power to influence. There's no doubt about that. And, and I don't do, know if they're doing it, but I think they can. Well, if it is happening, let's just say it is, just to, to mm. for this point of argument. Do you think the share split will make the market a bit thicker, and and that'll be harder to do? Um, I'm not so sure because it's. I know the, the change in psychology um, with the share mm. split. Uh, so we're going to have, but ultimately, aren't, aren't the intrinsic assets going to be the same? Including, oh yeah, of course. Meaning, yeah. meaning dividends don't change, so they are still going to be able to move the market in the same ways if they want to. Because if they if they bring every if they keep everything in line with the same number of futures move a uh, share price by one penny. So if everything remains in sync with how it is now, mm -hmm. then I don't, I don't think it'll make that much difference. The only way we'll be able to kind of flush it through and is new users you know another couple of you know double the number of users and then maybe four or five people won't be able to have such a big impact but i think at the moment you know they can do mm, really interesting discussion there uh, next question from jusl do you find that short-term trading has become more or less profitable um short-term trading i mean what what's how do you define a short-term trade i guess <laughs> um overnight in play uh, uh do i find it's become more or less profitable um i mean i don't really short-term trade i guess i should put it out there i mean what i may do is if there's a player on my watch list and i'm kind of close to purchasing them maybe i haven't got the funds to do it um if they if they go off in a game you know recently like julian brandt for example then i may want to jump on and time that as a short-term trade um has it become more or less profitable? I'm not so sure. It depends on if you're good at picking the players that rise quickly. I think we have seen. I think we've seen quite a lot of extreme rises recently. You know, when goals have gone in, when Gabriel Jesus banged in a couple on that Monday night football, I thought that rise was quite remarkable. Um, Phil Phil Foden yesterday. So maybe it's become more profitable. I don't personally do it, but I am. I am seeing some big moves. Yeah, I think there is. Who was it? a few weeks ago on the podcast talked about momentum trading um i i do think that short-term trading has probably become more profitable than ever um i think the the sentiment from this question kind of alluded to the fact that maybe this user was struggling to trade short term but i think it's become more more profitable um now than it was especially in play trading with gna and buying players before 2 p.m and the enhanced liquidity as well, I guess. So you can actually, you know, you can get in and out quite easily now uh, if you time it right. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't do it because it's just not. 
it's not like you know as slick as i would want it to be f for that you know mm. if you've got 500 shares to sell you're kind of uh, it's just not as quick as i kind of would need it to be but maybe i'm being picky so i don't tend to do it so you know i'm probably not the best person to ask there but yeah i i think what you said makes a lot of sense mm. uh, next question rob for the index uh, now question for fig oh maybe you need to ask this one then um fig if you could interview one person in the world of football who would it be and why in the world of football wow that is so vast um god i don't really know who would it be i i, I like to say it would either be someone with like a just a massive personality who i think would have loads of stories like zlatan or yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I reckon it would just be like a, it would feel like a bit of a three-hour chat in the pub. But then after my very, you know, chat, a very, uh, ch uh, my very long chat with the the clever and intellectual uh, Sam, I wonder how interesting it would be to to interview someone like Frank Lampard, who's kind of known to be a very, very smart footballer. Um, because there's there's few and far between. Maybe maybe one of those two. two. What, what, who would, who would be? be yours? Oh, no, I'm just going to chip in there because I'm just going to say. Frank Lampard's a bit of an anomaly and we don't know how he's going to turn out. But generally speaking, the, the classically great footballers have been very, very poor managers mm. um, because I think they struggle to relate to the kind of the inferior quality footballers out there, you know, because yeah. they take a 40 yard pass and put it on a sixpence. I don't think, you know, the, the midfielders they're training can't do that. And I think they get frustrated. Um, so I don't know. I find pundits quite poor. I've thought about this question because I liked it. And um I watch sometimes foreign networks and coverage if I particularly want to hear the pundit. It all sort of forms part of my football kind of absorbing world. And uh, Arsene Wenger was on this week, being sports. And yeah. um, he spoke just magnificently about football. And it made me actually think long and hard about why it went all so wrong at Arsenal, which is, you know, a discussion for another day. But his mind for football, you know, he was talking a little bit about how Mbappe is starting off on the wing and how you need very tight touch control on the wing because you don't get a lot of space. Fullback is pressed up against you. So you kind of hone your technique there. And then when you move into the, the centre forward position, then it's all becomes about, you know, you've got your technique nailed down. It's all about timing your runs then and mm. learning the art of, you know, striking and uh I just he comes across as a very eloquent and intelligent man, so I'd quite like to sit down with him. Oh, I mean, he was actually on my list. I was thinking about this. Uh, and you're an Arsenal fan as well, so I can't. I find yeah, Frank Lampard and who is your other Zlatan? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Arsene Wenger would be a great one. Um, I, I was just thinking maybe slightly more contemporary, but um, I, I think that yeah, he 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 is very smart. He knows about seven languages. Um, Maybe it's just the sour taste in my mouth about how it how it all went wrong at Arsenal that maybe would would lead me to ask some very uh, pushy questions. Uh, but but again, but again, just sorry to cut you off. But again, like it would be really interesting to kind of know the ins and outs of that period between two thousand and six to to two thousand and eighteen. Like, what was it actually totally his fault? Was there other higher forces at play? His relationship with Cronke, etc. You know. Yeah, yeah, and when you look at the team he built we mustn't dwell on Arsenal too long because I know people aren't interested necessarily but <laughs> the teams he built with Vieira and Petit and you know Gilberto Silva and the spines he put together and the ability to to get the Anelkas and the Omaris and train them up you know I, I don't quite know where that got lost over yeah. time you know in terms of bringing in slight players and there was that famous five the, you know the English young youth I think Oxlade Chamberlain Jack mm. Wilshere Ramsey Jack Callum Jack. Chambers and it, it, none of them really hit it off I think I don't know if you lost the art of 
coaching them up to be honest it kind of failed to materialize towards the end but yeah i'd like to ask that benga yeah i think i think what he did he he predicted a few trends that didn't really come off i think he maybe he thought that there'd be greater emphasis on the homegrown selection rules and um england would force teams to have more english players um which obviously people have found loopholes and, and gone around quite easily uh, the one thing he did do or say quite interesting last season was that we'd see more players run down their contracts and we're seeing you know with the likes of uh, eden hazard at the moment he's going to have a year left in in summer he he predicted that bang on but um uh, next question i think it's from divvy dave again uh i think this was his jokey question what car do you drive and do you know how any good garages around that do a good trade deal yeah i don't trade in at garages i'd, I'd go to auto trader <laughs> and private sell that'd be my answer there <laughs> are you much of a, a, a motorhead because I, i'm certainly not so it was really hard for me to get to to keep up with all the puns <laughs> yeah you know you could have fooled me you've done a great job no i'm not i'm not into cars at all actually no it's every type of sport i watch but no no cars no interest really. <laughs> i drive an x3 for what it's worth <laughs> I, don't I don't drive, drive for what it's, it's worth, worth. Um, you're not next, no, no i don't, I don't yeah, yeah. I live London, so it's, so it's kind of like, like oh you don't need to do you? No. yeah essentially, essentially at this, this point, point but uh i think my dad's getting on my back at this point to, to learn um this bit's next bit is going to kind of be about your betting background you've kind of alluded to it a few times but uh mark lawrence says can you tell us a bit more about your gambling background has it helped with football index do you have an opinion on nfl index or tennis index or any other indexes in general um nfl index and tennis index um I think we're a long, long way away. I mean, as I say, we, we don't have great liquidity at the moment in the UK on Betfair for, for NFL games that aren't on TV. You know, you've got 32 teams in the NFL, 53-man rosters. So the idea that you're going to load all of those up and we're going to have liquidity. I mean, we I, I struggle to sell soccer short, short season, isn't it, as well? Yeah, 16-game season with the playoffs. Um, you know, gambling isn't institutionalised in the US at the moment. They don't have anywhere near the access like we do in terms of smartphone capability and logging on to bet. So... I think that, you know, I, I, that's a long way away. I, I Personally, I may be wrong. And and tennis index, you know, I do love the concept of these extra indexes, but I would just like to see the focus more on football index for the short term. Um, yeah. you, know, I, you know, maybe I'm wrong there, but tennis index, I think, works well. Long calendar season. I used to trade a lot of tennis. Um, so it, it makes sense. I think it works. Um, duh, duh, duh. Yeah, I, again, football index first for me. Um, a bit about gambling background. Um yeah, I mean, it's a long story, really. I mean, I started gambling uh, a long, long time ago when I started off at university when it was really Blue Square, BlueSQ.com and Bet365. And Betfair was very much in its early stages. Uh, mm. lost, lost a lot of money for, for four years. And I kind of saw that as, um, I, I don't know, my, my kind of university fees in some ways. Because to me, to be good at anything, you know, you need to pay and you need to go through, you need to do something to become better at it. Um, mm. So... It, you know, it took me a few years to kind of stop losing money. And back then I'd bet on every single type of sport, pelota, women's cricket, futsal, you name it. I was very reckless, big wins and big losses. And then graduated, got a job in the city and kind of kept the, kept the betting up and started to kind of break even and, and turn it around somewhat. And um, I then kind of matched my salary in the city. So then I went to do kind of full-time betting on tennis and, uh, and football for a few years. Um, and a little bit of NFL now. Um has it helped with football index? It, it has actually. I mean, I'm not a, a massive data head, and I, you know, I don't build sophisticated algorithms. So, 
I kind of try and think about intangible qualities. Um, so I have a set list of questions I ask myself. I price up football matches. I have a set list of questions I ask uh, in terms of pricing that up. So what's the recent form been? What's the future fixture list going to look like? What's the head-to-head record? You know, have they got eyes on a big Champions League fixture so their eyes might be off the ball? So there's some questions I go through, and there's many more, obviously, than just those few. Um those sets of questions dictate to me, you know, what type of bet I'll place. And I have my bets categorised, um, whether it might be a big team looking to bounce back uh, or, uh, oh yeah, I won't go into the whole portfolio. But I use the say I use a similar style. So for all my trades on Football Index, I have a very personalised set of questions I ask. Um, I then set my my exit strategy up. So that kind of organisation and clarity in my head, it just helps to keep it quite streamlined and. How I categorise my 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 bets on Betfair, I look at my results only at the end of every month because I can go through ten or twelve wins in a row, but equally ten or twelve losses in a row. So you know, not getting caught up in day to day activity, you just can't afford to because you drive yourself mad. So just like Football Index, I'll look at it usually weekly or if not monthly i'll assess the trades i'll kind of think was that good you know has that performed that category performed well for me and then i'll tweak it and adjust from there so i think it's just my setup and the kind of systematic approach which has helped also i'm very comfortable losing money and losing bets and i you know i do lose a lot of them uh, as well as win a few so losing trades seeing a, a kind of price dropping on me it, it doesn't really bother me too much because I, I look at it very much as kind of the macro picture mm-hmm. i do I, I did tweet uh before the spread uproar about um people saying that we're in a lull and the share splits should come now and we should increase dividends and i had a really good week i really <laughs> i didn't understand it so uh, what i what i certainly saw was there are a lot of people that had made the wrong trades or were holding certain players that had gone down and suddenly that was a lull in the market whereas um it, it may not have been uh, and people need to stop looking at it daily or weekly. You have to. I mean, and it does worry me somewhat long term. This platform, if if it's not always going to be as easy as this, um, you know, the market will mature, um, and if people expect hyper growth, which it is at the moment, then I just don't think that's reasonable. And if they think this week's a flat week, then you know. There will be maybe some very lean periods where you have a drop. I mean, that, that's how markets operate. Mm. So I think people need to be very comfortable with the concept that this is a kind of investment platform um, you can hold for three years. You know, yeah, sometimes you do need to sell when a player drops. But, you know, I think you've said it a million times. Ask yourself the question, would you still buy at that price? Mm. Or go, go through your reasons why you want to hold what's changed in your original assessment and and just try not to panic but it's easier said than done i mean one of the really group, is, yeah. i'm in a great group chat with some great guys some very new users and some kind of experienced ones and you know you, you sense a little bit of the panic in the in the new users which is understandable i mean no one likes to lose money and when you're watching it drop 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 on your screen um it isn't easy but yeah i yeah i, I think it's been very good for a long time and it will continue to be but um I think people just need to be, yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was a particularly flat week, to be honest. And it's a bit um, it's a bit alarming that people are seeing it like that. Yeah, I was quite confused. I, I, 
there was a couple that I thought were jokes and then I kind of looked at the football index hashtag and there were loads of people who were saying it so I thought um the need I felt the need to tweet but uh, next question from Actually, Eric. One, one other thing just very quickly on the betting background one thing that I struggled with just I mean I mean in in, in betting I try and always swim against the tide um okay. so I kind of go against public opinion I'll try and gauge that and then maybe go like you know yeah go against whereas in football index I found myself in a bit of a dichotomy because when I'm seeing these players rising uh you can name any of these youth players that have absolutely shot up I'm sort of thinking do you know, I, I'm going to jump on this. You know, this is not my usual kind of betting background. So I have jumped on a few and kind of rode the wave, but it is a slightly different uh, thought process that I go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't say I came back from a, a gambling background, but um, uh, there are so many synergies between betting and how you're obviously football index is a gambling platform but not in the traditional sense but so many synergies that you should take over uh next question from asp how do you view fi compared to traditional betting where do you think it could be improved and do you still bet the same amount as before um still bet the same amount as before where do i think it could improve i think we've covered that through the the podcast so i may not go into that again um how do i view fi very different, actually. I think there's some skill sets that you can use uh, in terms of the crossover, but the the mindset behind it. I mean, yeah, it's it's just very different. You know, you you kind of sit in your stool out, and you're you know, for me, I'm looking at performance over maybe three months or six months. Whereas when I'm analysing, you know, a game, I'm going into a Saturday and I've got 90 minutes to make my decision. I do a lot of stuff in play and kind of react to goals. So. Um, I view it as as very different, um, and I'm not so sure we'll ever, you know, I don't know Football Index. I know they want to become the big kind of gambling uh, website, or maybe conquer it, but I don't know how they can ever compete with. You, you always are going to have people that want to put that accumulator on, which mm-hmm. I don't, I don't advise. By the way, you know, accumulators for show, singles for pro. I'd stick to your singles, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's tempting. You know, you put five pounds on, you can win 180 pounds. That isn't going to happen on Football Index. You know that that type of impact and endorphin rush so um maybe you could iterate and create like a something onto or like an add-on that could give that euphoric feeling <sighs> maybe that's what they try to do with gna to some extent yeah I, I mean i know adam cole said it you know he wants the idea of on because i'm the same when, I, when i'm betting on a saturday i've got my notifications on my phone a goal goes in and you know you you act you react to the decisions i just don't know if the payouts are going to be enough to really, you know, have the same impact on football index. Um, so I know, I know they want to try it, um, but I, I don't know how they get there, to be honest. Mm, mm, that's uh, again, one of those where we don't have the answers. I no, the, the guys at football no. index might do. I mean, I mean, it, it, just a responsible gambling, you know, it's an important topic. And I do think if, if the Paddy Powers and Bet365s were forced to send you an annual statement like Football Index do with how much you've deposited, how much you've lost this year, then you might see some people say, actually, I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm going to put that mm. money into Football Index. But, you know, they don't have to disclose that to us, do they? So uh, yeah. people keep sort of, you know, putting on ACAs and uh, keep going. But we, yeah. are, I think we are moving people across. From, yeah, definitely, uh, from definitely. Betting and, you know, casual betting. To, but, yeah. Yeah, and I do think that um, that that market. I was speaking to someone the other day. We were just talking about how ooh, it's it's mad how there is so many of these companies that do the exact same thing. That there is nothing unique about so many gambling platforms, and more and more are sprouting up. Um, that you're seeing 
advertise in the same manner as Football Index, but they have nothing unique about them, which is uh, crazy to me in terms of starting a business. I, I'd always think that if I was to start a business, um, I would I would try and create something that's innovative and has a completely different business model to it's what I'm currently trying to disrupt. If that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, and I don't I actually don't understand why Betfair haven't wiped them all out of traditional bookmakers because. If you think of a toss of a coin, you know, you can bet sometimes on what you think, you know, heads or tails in a cricket match, who's going to win the toss, what team. You know, they price that up at five to six or 1.83 each way. Um, clearly, it's 50-50 and the price should be evens. Yeah. Um, on Betfair, you have evens and, you know, you pay them a 5% commission if, if you win the bet. Um, but ultimately, that still takes you down to 1.95. So I do find it odd that people still use traditional bookmakers as opposed to Betfair. And mm. I think they're that onboarding and people don't understand what does back and lay mean. You know, still to this day, Betfair has been around yeah. for 15 years. People don't know what back and lay means and they find it all a bit confusing. They just want to have the simplicity of going and clicking back to win a match. So um, if people struggle with back and lay, you know, I think people, that's why the onboarding needs to be, I think, a bit more sophisticated. And needs- That's a really good point. That's a really good point, um, but yeah, no, I, I think that I haven't really thought about it that way. That Betfair uh, have been around for so long, and I, I made a video about what an order book could look like on Football Index from some er- images that Kieran put out, uh, and I compared it to Betfair. I went on Betfair, and um, a lot of people were massively confused. So uh, I really do that. Those two things have just kind of linked in my head. Yeah, I think that's going to be a challenge. Um, you know. I use Betfair, the website, but there are some, I think, API tools. There are some other tools you can buy, yeah. which had the ladder charts, and you can kind of trade, and it, it makes it look a little bit more sophisticated and a little bit quicker. Um, I think, you know, th- from looking at tweets and, and some of the some of the users on the platform for Blindex at the moment, that's going to add an even extra layer of complexity mm. to things. Um, so, you know, I'm just big on onboarding, make it visual, run some you know fun tutorial just yeah i mean um yeah i think they just need to tighten that up yeah i think the onboarding process is something that we've kind of not questioned but but talked about quite a lot on the yeah, podcast yeah yeah, yeah. last question here from index guy mm. quite a loaded one with the current appetite for buying youth at an all-time high do you think that new traders are thinking too far ahead what what, what does that what does that mean do you think new traders are thinking too far ahead you mean Ah, oh, as in, you know, worrying about four or five years and what the... Pro- yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, especially when you think about the stat you said that people don't often hold for three years. I know when I first joined, I set up my portfolio and I thought, right, that's it. Three years, collect the dividends, yeah. and I thought that was <laughs> nice and safe. Realistically, I've probably got one player left from that period. Yeah. It just doesn't work. You've got change of managers, change in tactics. You need to be very fluid and, and kind of flexible. So... Um, I do think there is an element of thinking too far ahead. Um, the messy situation is quite interesting at the moment on this. I mean, I don't know how you look at things, but and there are there probably are, you know there are better people to have on to talk about this. But if I think about the price of an asset on Football Index, I think about you've got them for a maximum of three years, so you've got three years worth of returns um, on dividend payouts, and then you've got the terminal value, uh, so the value at the end of which what you believe you're going to sell the player back to um, mm. to the market. Now, we look at Messi. In three years' time, he's going to be 34 years old. So in my head, what's a 34-year-old Messi going to be worth? I don't actually know the answer, but I don't know, maybe £8? Maybe that's optimistic. I don't know. If he's going to be £8 in three years, 
you work backwards, then, you know, that's a, what's that, a £7.69 drop from where he is now? So in my head, you've got to be sure that you're going to return £7.69 over three years to kind of break even and keep up with his depreciation. Now, that price depreciation, if you think he's going to get to £8 in three years, it may not be straight-line depreciation. Of course, he may be absolutely superb for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden some China rumours may blow up or he may have a couple of injuries as he gets older and it may accelerate then so we don't know the timing of the depreciation but you know i understand the negative price pressure on messi because you know i don't know what you think about that if that made any sense yeah Yeah, no no that that did make sense to me but i I like to I'll, i'll flip it on its head slightly and ask this question if you're buying a youngster or a young player who hasn't played that many games or first team football for £10 plus, can you then look at their price in three years and and, and definitively say that um, in three years they will be higher or in three years they will be returning 20% of their of their price? So I, I guess that the, the question beckons in itself, right? Then if you're if you can ask yourself questions about youngsters that way you don't know what their price will be in three years so why are you buying then i guess the question is people are looking at people should be or the people who are buying or own Messi are looking at that uh at him in that same way i think they feel safer though in in the youth don't they they, they feel they've got three years and you know, even if a even if even if a youngster fails at a couple of clubs, because it does happen, it's so important when a youngster moves to a new club that they get the right management and support around them, and they're played in mm. the right position. Um, I think you know you would have a depreciation on that on that youth player, but they would probably get a second bite at the apple. Most young players that fail get two or three opportunities, and maybe it's the second one that they come through. So I think people feel quite protected in that mm. um, that they have that. You know, they're not going to disappear to China or retire. They are yeah. going to have another bite at it. So I do think that's part of it. Um, the the other thing I think on, on that is I personally looked at Salah, uh, Mohamed Salah last year, and I thought he had an incredible season. Um, you know, breakthrough, loads of media, Champions League final. I looked at Messi last year, who had a very, very good year. I looked at the dividends he returned. I know they had the quarterfinal exit to Roma. Um, but they returned. This is just the football calendar season. I excluded the World Cup because it's an ad hoc event and I, I didn't want to build that in. But Messi, uh, I think, returned £2.50. I think Salah was £3.27. So at that point, I kind of think to myself, like, what yield would I like over a year? And I think you said this on a pod a couple of weeks ago. If you want, if they're going to return £2.50 in a year, and you've set a target to have 20% yield, then they should be £12.50, no more. Mm. Um, and I think that is lost in the youth. I mean, the prices at the moment, you know, you are assuming that it's pretty much guaranteed they're going to return those dividends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I've got no issue with that. I mean, you know, you may, you may well be right, um, but I don't know how you can be sure of it. But on the flip side, as we've said, you've got that protection and almost that... They're going to have another crack at it, even if they flop. But um, there's a lot. Also, there's a lot of players in youth, like McAdams, spoken about Jermaine Pennant, Francis Jeffers. I, I haven't got these written down; I'm just thinking on my head. Players that failed, Gail Kakuta. But this new crop are quite interesting. The Viniciuses, the Dembeles, because they are playing for kind of elite clubs already, and they've made quite a few appearances. But um, yeah, that's so was McAdams though. <laughs> I mean, he was. No, I mean, they're, I... obviously they're not. They're not the same. But do you know what I mean? There, yeah, there I are. Think... What, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, there are youngsters out there who have played less first team games or have made less of an impact than Federico Makeda did in his first ten games. Yeah, yeah. 
that's that's true that's true um i guess to go back to the question do you think new trade new traders are thinking too far ahead um i don't know if he's thinking too far ahead of just you know getting caught up in this this sort of bubbly youth period mm. Mm, for sure yeah i i think just going back to the messy thing i, I think there are people who have pointed out statistics that this is statistically one of his best years ever even better than the um 92 goal calendar year season so i mean if we're talking about a player peaking or um past his prime whatever where we'd probably see the depreciation start then is this his best season ever is he gonna have an even better one next season like we we don't actually know you know would it surprise anyone if Lionel Messi and Ronaldo kept on playing like they do until 38 or 37 I mean we're seeing if a player like Fabio Quagrella can score near 20 goals in a Serie A season at the moment who's to say that you know Ronaldo can't do it for the next 20 years let alone five <laughs> so i don't know it, it, again it, a, messi's a freak isn't he and uh, he's the best best footballer i've kind of witnessed so there's no reason he can't do it at 37 38 um but i just think you need to kind of you need, you need to form an opinion on where you think it's going to end and you you know you kind of depreciate back from there but it's you know it's impossible to tell yeah. but he can easily adapt his game and move inside um and he should be able to influence for kind of many more years and on and on the flip side, uh, there was a time at the index about 18, 24 months ago where we all thought that Zlatan Ibrahimovic was indestructible and he was sitting pretty at the top of the index at the age of 35 and he was pretty much untouchable, the the, the most biggest price player by a mile. And I know that we only had media then, but things can change quickly, right? Well, they can. And I mean, he doesn't. he's not playing for Argentina anymore. I think that took a lot of toll on him, the flights back to South mm-hmm. America and the World Cup qualifiers. Don't know if he'll go back on that for the next World Cup, but he isn't playing, so that should add some sort of shelf life to him. But I guess that I just, I understand the pressure on his price uh, because mm. he is closer to the end of his career than the start of it. And that's, yeah. just, that's just a fact. And you, you know, I'm going on, old footballers and i mean sports medicine's better now and this is great debate i mean how long he can play for but <laughs> the end is closer than the start and i just sure. think that weighs on people's minds and um maybe they're panicking unjustly but you know uh, yeah i guess we'll see i th- I thought that there was kind of a similar pressure on ronaldo's price uh probably a bit more pressure actually before we got into the the nitty-gritty of the champions league and he rose about five pounds by the time we got to the final um so we'll, we'll see what happens um I, I think that's all we've got time for so i think sorry if we didn't answer any questions sorry if uh, anyone was offended by anything i tweeted um uh, over over the weekend uh where can people find out more about you panda um just my twitter handle which is at at sporting panda i think it is nice um, nice very yeah so if, yeah they can always send me a dm or tweet me if they want to ask me anything gambling related but um yeah that's where you can find me yeah super super smart fella and uh we've we've enjoyed some great debates and, and conversation on twitter if I'm you sure, are I'm commuting sure we'll right now... <laughs> sorry sorry to interrupt your end there i said i'm sure we'll continue to yeah definitely definitely uh for for you that are commuting i hope this has speeded up your commute uh for you that are not commuting doing whatever you're doing in the bath uh tending to some horses i think i saw the other day washing your toilet cleaning the kitchen uh have a great day 